All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are Stop treating me like an infant. You know, like what is stop treating me like an infant mean and you know like why would I say that like who's treating me like an infant no it's not who's treating me as an infant 
Who's treating you like an infant? Who's treating us like an infant? Now, I've been put in multiple situations and multiple categories now, and I've been in multiple forms where you know, I've been challenged by the way that I perceive COVID-19 and you know, like what this has done to our, our human rights and our civil rights. You know, and I think it's about time that we start having these conversations how this is one of our most devastating, atrocious attacks on our civil rights and our human rights in Canadian history. And if not, the history of the United States as well. You know, I look at this, our right in these countries is the right to be able to peacefully protest, but we're not allowed to anymore. Under COVID-19 restrictions that the government wants to put upon us is that you are no longer allowed to be able to participate in peaceful protests. But that is my right. That is my right. That is my right as a citizen of this nation, of this country. That is my right. And I want to express that. But why can't I? Why do I have to fear being fined? Why do I have to fear being jailed? Why do I have to fear these things when this is my right? Millions of people have died to be able to offer me this right offer you this right and offer us this right. Why can't I express this? Why do I have to feel guilt and shame for leaving my home even if I do abide by the protocols that our government and elected officials are so-called putting out for us that are in our best interest even though they completely contradict the epidemiology studies that have come out and against a ton of evidence that is now on the market and to contrary opinions that now you have Doctors and scientists now battling upon each other saying that this is a lot different than what we first perceived it to be. So let me just offer you a little bit of advice, a little bit of research. Now I'm not going to tell you the exact numbers because if you are authentically wanting to know this, I want you to be able to look up these numbers for yourself. Look up Ontario alone, what their low end, what their absolute rock bottom best case scenario was for global or for COVID-19 and look at the worst outcome that we are living right now as a result of COVID-19 in Canada. Like the actual real stats that have come out. So Ontario's best case scenario predicted at the beginning versus Canada's national numbers of what are real. Look at those two things. Now, I know a lot of people are also starting to come by these multiple narratives about how you are more likely to die from real life and real life related diseases than you are from COVID-19. You know, and I say, like, what does that mean? Do you know that? Have you felt that? Do you understand that number? I know a lot of you have. But what if I told you you're more likely to be able to die on average about 10 years sooner in Canada know what the worst affected population of people with COVID-19 are. Like, you know, we're talking mid-70s to mid-80s. Well, what should you fear more? Life itself and how you're choosing to be able to live your life because you've probably died in your mid-70s from heart disease and or obesity or high blood pressure or um, type 2 diabetes? Name them. Name any one of them. But why don't you fear that? Now, I look at, more importantly, the, the, the restrictions that have been put on people, say, like me. You know, 
I'm pretty sure that people can tell by this podcast, and if you look at any one of my Instagram posts, I spend about 20 hours a week focusing on my health. And I know a lot of you do too. Do you know what the direct result of this is? The direct result of this is, is not being in a vulnerable category to COVID-19. But you are taking away all the things that allow me to be able to fight COVID-19. How does this make sense? The simple fact that you should feel shame and guilt from going outside when we now know that massive deficiencies in vitamin D can extremely exacerbate the symptoms of COVID-19. Was the easiest way for you to be able to get your vitamin D stores up is get outside. We all know that. So why take away the tools for people to be able to go be healthy so you don't overwhelm our medical system, you don't overwhelm our doctors and nurses, and you don't put them at a higher exposure rate because you give your body the tools to be able to fight it off. Again, this morning, I sat in an ice bath at minus two degrees, arguably maybe minus one, for seven minutes as a part of my COVID-19 prevention protocol. Because that is going to help reduce inflammation in my body. It's going to make it easier for my body to fight off foreign invaders. It is going to increase my white blood cell count. It's going to help turn my white adipose tissue into brown adipose tissue. Allowing for a greater amount of mitochondria in my body to be able to make sure that I can not only have a better power plant in my body, that my fat is even working better for myself. You know, when we look at these things, now, I really want to talk about this whole, you know, ventilator thing just real quick. I don't want to beat this now dead horse even more. We had to shut our planet down, our industry leaders, to be able to make ventilators and ventilator-related products. Now we know that you have an 80% higher risk of dying being on a ventilator. And you have doctors expressing extreme concern for putting people on ventilators. Now that doesn't mean that nobody should, because don't forget about the 20% population. They may still need that ventilator. But if you're at 80% higher risk of anything, we probably shouldn't be doing it. So how much money did we waste on ventilators? How much money did we waste on creating temporary hospitals? How much money did we waste giving it to people that were forced to stay at home and they could have been out earning a decent wage? I am a Canadian. I live in a free world, allegedly. Now you want to tell me that you might force me to be able to put an app on my phone so you can track my health, or even worse, force me to get a vaccination that I don't even need. To be able to protect, I want to protect elderly people. I have not seen my father for two months because I want to protect him. Now that is an adult decision. Being treated like an infant is telling me that I can, I'm not going to be able to make that choice on my own. Or how about let's break a BC statistic down and say that there's not been one, one child in BC under 19 years of age that has ever even been hospitalized with COVID-19. Do you know what that means? Let's think about this. Massage your head for a little minute. What does this mean? If, if not one child under 19 has been hospitalized with COVID-19, 
let's let's go back. Let's let's go back to what what doctors always tell us and our healthcare professionals tell us. When you walk and you get sick, oh, oh, what is that? Oh, what's that thing that our, our doctors and our healthcare professionals tell us all the time? And what the BC or the CDC of BC even tweeted out as a way to be able to help with uh, COVID-19 if you have COVID-19 and a protocol you should follow if you have COVID-19. Oh, this massage my brain. I know it's there. I know it is because I know what they say. Go home, drink plenty of fluids, and get some rest. Well, thank you. Because the 36 years of my life didn't already tell me that every time I go to the doctor and I have influenza, they're going to tell me to go home, drink plenty of fluids, and get some rest. Thank you. I couldn't have come to that conclusion as an adult. I had to be treated like an infant that I didn't retain that the other 400,000 times that I was told that through my life. Or all the stories that you've heard from other parents being told the same thing. Or even when they've been told that in relationship to their kids. Or I guess I was blind the day that the CDC of BC posted that on their Twitter account saying one of the best things to be able to do if you're not in a vulnerable category with COVID-19, is to be able to go home, self-isolate, drink plenty of fluids, and get some rest. Well, thank you, because I'm glad now that I've taken two months off work, not voluntarily, and didn't qualify for any of the government subsistence programs because they turned me down there because I did not qualify for them. Well, thank you, because I thought that everybody was blanketly getting um, accepted for these, um, these programs, and they would assess it after the fact. Well, that was great. You know, those little slip through the cracks moments. So, okay, well, that's okay. Well, we'll figure this out. You know why I figured it out? Because I'm a fucking adult. I'll figure it out. You know why I won't figure it out? Or why there's not an opportunity that I won't figure it out? It's because I'm an adult. You know the people who won't figure it out? It's probably the people that need it to be spoon-fed to them. And if you want, if you're happy being treated like an infant, like a child... That's your decision. That's your call. But the one thing that I know is if the government keeps pushing this agenda, they, they want to fear up Mongress because they're not willing to be able to step up and say, hey, I made a mistake. There's going to be an uprising. And if you say, well, you know, Blake, they had to make sure that, you know, they kept everybody safe and they didn't know how bad it was going to be. It's like, because you know what? You don't fact check. What does the WHO do? They do not fact check. They regurgitate any information that anybody wants to say, and that's exactly what happened out of China. Are you going to tell me when the provincial government of BC goes on live TV and says, we are going to reopen schools in two weeks, June 1st, 2020, for a gradual reentry program, but we're going to fully resume school in September 2020? halfway through May. Are you going to tell me that morning somebody woke up and made that decision? Uh-uh. You know why? I know that because I'm an adult, not a child. Are you going to tell me that they were willing to be able to make a decision like that after a week? No, they weren't. Do you know how I know this? Because I'm an adult, not a child. How many weeks do you think, because you're an adult, and you can analyze information. How many weeks before, what was it, May 14th, 15th, 16th, maybe a little bit sooner? How many weeks before that day do you think they knew 
that kids were going to be allowed to go back to school as of June 1st, and then to take it so far and to be so confident that even after they're willing to say that kids can fully resume and they are going to resume come September 2020. Amongst all the talk of there being maybe a, a second wave in the summer, a third wave in the fall. Well, guess what? SARS is still around every flu season, and that was a decade ago. A decade. And it's still a part of our annual influenza strain every single year when kids go back to school. So how many weeks before did our provincial government in BC know or start strategizing to be able to get kids back in school. But let's remember, they've only been out for two months. But yet, you don't want me to go outside. Again, you don't want me to be able to be in nature, so you close the parks. Do you know what the result of this was? I was on Evans Peak on the weekend. Or was that yesterday? It was yesterday. I've seen more people climbing Evans Peak yesterday than what I have every other time I've climbed that peak. Granted, this was a holiday Monday, I'll give you that, on May long weekend, and it was relatively nice outside. However, when you force people to be able to stay inside someplace they shouldn't be because being outside is healthy, it means you're active, it means you're getting vitamin D, it means you're metabolically going through the processes that you need to be able to go through to be able to be healthy. Now people just can't wait. And now at the bottom of a cliff where you have to scale up this rock face with ropes, there's like 20 people standing shoulder to shoulder at the bottom who don't even know each other. That's the result. Because I bet all those people, the majority of those people probably wouldn't have been there if they had the opportunity over the last month to be able to go at their leisure to be able to climb a mountain that they fund because it's a provincial park. Again, where do our rights come in as citizens? Where does our rights come in as citizens of being given the real information, given the real data? I really hope right now that people understand that the CDC of BC has a dashboard publishing these statistics and they have a very active Twitter account where they're tweeting at least two or three times a day with all this information that I'm talking about. And on top of that, they um, delegate almost a daily report to the public available for PDF consumption. Now, you can go on. You can find all of these stats, all these graphs. They do an absolutely incredible job of making it extremely user-friendly to be able to read. But why in the fuck can our politicians read it? Why can't we be told the truth? We deserve to be able to be told the truth because you know what? I'm not a fucking child. I'm a 36-year-old man. I can make sound decisions. Just because you do not agree with every decision that I make does not mean that they are wrong. It means that I take the, the knowledge and the education out there and the materials before me and I make a sound, educated decision. Now let's look at Sweden, for example. They're in the middle of a pack. They're not exceptionally good. They're not exceptionally bad. They're in the middle of a pack and did relatively nothing because they wanted to express a herd immunity strategy. Well, guess what? 
They did great. Because their country is not falling apart. They don't have mass extinction of the Swedish people. They don't. Because you know why? They treated people like adults. People were allowed to be adults. Not treated like children. So when is the point that we stand up and we demand the proper information? We demand to be treated like an adult. We demand our rights and freedoms, our liberties that millions of people have died for. That people flocked to this land to be able to nurture and prosper from. When do we demand to be treated as an adult and not be treated like a child? Because you know what? Enough is enough.